Hello and welcome to the Uncredible Adventures podcast with me, your host Cornelius. I'm really pleased to have you here. We stayed at a family holiday park for a bit of this summer and it was one of these places that had an entertainment complex that had you know, amusement arcades, a few toys and games and things for the kids and then a huge room with a bar and a stage and they had a, an entertainment crew that put on shows and entertainment for the kids and to get everyone up dancing, you know, dancing competitions and get all the kids on the front and to teach them a few dance moves, sing along to things like a guy dressed up in a, a mascot suit comes out and waves to them, all the rest of it. And my six-year-old is quite shy and quite reserved. So quite like quite a few of the other mums and dads, I, I had to go on to the dance floor with him and encourage him. And you act as a bit of a cheerleader and you, you do the dance moves and you let him know where he needs to go. And some of the things that he wasn't quite following, like when they're saying, right, half the group, half the room, the left side, you are the red team and the right side, you're the blue team. And uh, red team, I want you to cheer as loud as you can. All this type of fun and games. And there was one dad in particular who I, I think I only started to notice him during a dance competition. You know, everyone, I want to see your best dancing and we're going to choose a winner. And I noticed this dad was really going for it. You know, I was doing some silly dancing and trying to encourage my kids and had a laugh. But this guy was really taking it seriously. And he was he was red in the face and he was sweating and he was dancing intently and trying to do a few sort of cool things with his legs and waving his arms around and desperately trying to get noticed by the people on the stage and if i'm honest i quite admired him because i thought this thing about kids is when you're you're trying to play with them and when you're trying to join in they know whether you're engaged or not if you've ever tried to to play dollies with a with a kid and you're sort of really just paying them lip service saying look here we go and you're not interested the kid knows they don't fall for it so what you have to do is really get yourself engaged and oh this guy was really going to town he was loving it what a brilliant dad i thought and as as the evening wore on as we went went a bit further in i started to know i noticed him a few times he stood out to me because he was edging himself closer and closer to the edge of the stage and then they were doing a silly competition i think they did a pillow fight or something on stage and he was really cheering the loudest and he was whooping and he was throwing his fists up in the air like yeah really really involved um and, and the first i think i realized something wasn't quite right was that he turned round at one point and we made eye contact and I sort of gave him a bit of a nod, you know, the dad nod to say, all right, how are you doing? And he just looked at me really vacantly and didn't nod back, looked slightly confused and went back to what he was doing. And so I started to, and, and, and he was making quite a, lot of a noise at this point and his energy level was higher than probably the entire room combined was coming from this one guy who was absolutely loving it. And I started to look at him, I realised I couldn't see who his kids were I couldn't see who he was with because the other mums and dads were all sort of had you know a shy kid at their feet that they were talking to and interacting with and he was really trying to interact with the people on the stage and not very interested by any any children or anyone near him so I started to think who is he with who are his children what's going on and he was getting more and more frantic and then it dawned on me and I felt terrible but it dawned on me that I think actually this poor chap was he he had special needs or had learning difficulties and effectively you know this was a a child in an adult's body and once I realized that a lot fell into place and I I felt really good I thought oh brilliant you know he's (laughs) bless him he's he's found something he really enjoys he loves this what a great holiday you know what brilliant 
parents or whoever he has around him that's brought him here for him to really enjoy this and then there was another dance off and this time I watched him going for it really dancing and it, it filled my heart with joy just to see that pure unbridled joy you know that 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 spirit he had really really nice anyway soon enough took the kids back to the table and we took them back uh, to our accommodation I didn't think much more about it until later that evening when I was I was nearly ready to go for bed and I was just walking back from the shower block having brushed my teeth and I was walking past one of the sort of ditches and I looked and I could see someone was lying down flat on their back in this ditch in, in a sort of dark spot at the side of the path and as it got closer I realised it was this same chap I got really, really worried because, oh no, what's, you know, what's happened to him? He's, he's all alone out here. He's lying on his back. I thought, I don't want to scare him, but I, I need to make sure he's okay. You know, I need to help him, help him out. So I walked over and I sort of crouched down next to him and he, he rolled his head and he looked at me and I said, hey buddy, I said, how are you doing? What are you, what are you doing down here? And he looked at me and he said, Oh, mate, I am tripping my nut off. The missus has thrown me out of the caravan. I don't know what's going on right now. Welcome back, and here we are, series two of Uncredible Adventures. Not that I have a producer or a budget or anything like that. It's just the fact that I took a break and I'm back in front of the microphone tonight. Thank you, really thank you to everyone who has survived the long break and is coming back to check in again, see how Cornelius is doing, come back for our weekly chats, and has been compelled enough to open this podcast and listen again. It really means a lot to me. We had an interesting summer I, I stopped pretty abruptly I got got pretty burnt out with work and life and various things going on and something had to give so a few things gave at the same time and one of them was the podcast I thought look I'll take a break let me come back to it fresh let me take a bit of time over the summer during that period something really quite phenomenal happened in that the podcast continued to be downloaded it continued to be listen to so I haven't published a podcast I think for about six weeks but consistently I'm getting downloads day in day out we're still charting in the UK and in Ireland we were charting in America for a long time we finally I think dropped out now but it's been really really surprising to me that we've got a bit of longevity we're we're still somehow despite the fact that I'm not talking about the show or promoting it in any way not releasing any new episodes people are finding it people are listening to it and, and i hope that people are enjoying it there was one day in the middle of august where i just happened to check the numbers and the the latest episode or the, the last episode i made received over 500 downloads in the space of a couple of hours on a, a sort of random thursday afternoon now i got no idea where that was presumably someone fairly influential or someone with a big following recommended it or gave it a shout out i can't find it i can't see it but thank you if you are if you did if you know who that was if you got a recommendation from someone and, and you feel like you might have been part of that rush please let me know because it's really odd running a podcast because you don't get much data i get it i can sort of see whereabouts people are in the world and i can see how many people are downloading but you don't get a huge amount of data you certainly don't find out where your traffic comes from you just have to guess 
and make assumptions. So it's almost maddening, grateful as I am to have a sudden influx, 500 people in the space of a couple of hours. It's brilliant. It's also maddening because I kind of think, well, whatever caused all those people to find the podcast, I want to do it again, but I don't know what it is, so I can't recreate it. Nevertheless, here I am, very happy. An episode that nearly didn't get made for a few reasons. I think the big one really is just mentally. It's kind of weird producing something like a podcast. It's very intimate, very personal. And I had a very strong motivation to start recording. And I was really, really scared. That first episode when I hit send and published my voice and my thoughts and opened myself out to the world... I was expecting, I think, some negative feedback. I thought people would find it and make fun of me, and I was really, really scared about that. And it didn't happen. I've only ever had positive feedback. It's been wonderful, and the podcast done way better than I ever would have dreamed. But now I'm kind of stuck at the other end, where I've had some limited success more than I expected. I've had some really kind words, and people enjoy it. And I got a sense of pressure that I need to perform, I need to deliver something, I need to be producing this high quality podcast that people expect. And and even worse, I kind of feel like if I'm saying it's series two and I've taken a break, what I should have done was, you know, jazzed up the theme tune and added some new sections. I haven't done any of that. I really haven't thought about the podcast at all. I took a really lovely long break and a lovely holiday and I've come back and I've, I've got worse nerves I think recording the first episode right now recording this one so that's that's shaken me slightly (laughs) nevertheless just but what made me come out tonight I was talking to my wife just then and I was saying look I think I'm gonna go for a run tonight instead of doing the podcast I haven't got time and she looked at her watch she said your podcast is brilliant you've got to do it and I said oh but you know what's the point she said "For, for 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 life for living for doing things come on get out there and do it so here I am I'm recording it. It is quite a good episode. It means a lot to me. The other reason, uh, and this is a genuine, almost a genuine excuse, I'll, I'll tell you all about my house in one episode at some point because we, we live in a house. We moved in about five years ago. I don't know much about the person that lived here before other than some of the neighbours have said he was some kind of tradesman. But it's clear that he did a lot of DIY and some of it very, very ambitious. But all of it he did really really badly and over the last five years we've we've had a succession of things that we found jobs that should have been done with screws and uh, and joists and things like that everything seems to be glued together everything's held up in the house by no more nails and I got a lot of stories about that we we call it the chuckle brother house which I'll do a whole episode on it but just I'll tell you about one thing so the house if you can imagine it it's a a pretty standard English 1980s end of terrace I want to say a two up two down but it's it's two two bedrooms upstairs and a box room and a bathroom and it has had an extension at some point so the front of the house just the, the ground floor kitchen has been extended forward by well, actually I can tell you exactly how far it's been extended forward by 1.6 metres uh, and five and a half metres across to create a flat roof and a larger kitchen area. Now I'm pretty sure the guy did this himself or certainly did parts of it because it's got all the hallmarks of his trade skills or, or lack of such. Let me try and describe this. If you imagine the house on the edge of the roof we've got the guttering and the guttering has a downpipe that used to run down the left-hand corner of the house on the front of the house and then go into the the ground or drain under there. 
So when they built this extension that, that juts out from the front of the house, they had to cut the drain pipe in half because the lower half of the house, they, they had to build a wall there and, and there was a flat roof. So what happened was instead of then rerouting the drain pipe or, or putting a, a right hand bend in and then having it coming off the front of the flat roof, um, it's just sawn off. We found this soon after we moved in, we had a bit of a few drops of water coming through into the kitchen from the flat roof and I went to go and have a look and I saw that this downpipe from the drain pipe comes down the front of the house, collects all the water from the main roof of the house, comes down and then it's been sawn off a few inches above the flat roof and dumps all of that water out onto the flat roof. And the flat roof also had raised edges, I don't know what you call it, but it's, it's basically like a mini swimming pool so every time it rains we've got a really effective system of funneling the water onto this flat roof where it just sits and sits and sits. So I did a few repairs myself of, of pretty much pretty soon after we moved in. I just put a right hand joint on the bottom of this drain pipe and then another piece of drain pipe. So it's not perfect. It fires the water off into the front garden uh, instead of it all pooling on the flat roof. But And I also refelted it and it's been all right. But we had rain at the end of the lovely hot summer a couple of weeks ago. We had a bit of rain. And some of this water started, we could see it coming through, just a few drops and, and stains and things appearing on the kitchen roof. So what I was meant to be doing this afternoon, it's quite late Friday when we're talking now, I finished work a little early and I was going to refelt the roof. I thought this won't be too difficult. We've got rain coming in on Sunday, but I've got a good clear 24, 36 hours without rain. So I'll get started, I'll strip off the old felt, I'll strip it all down and then tomorrow I can fit the new felt. What I've discovered while I'm doing that and I started to take this felt off is that the the boards, the, the actual flat roof is completely rotten and, and I found that by putting my foot straight through it. <laughs> Luckily I, I stopped myself, I didn't come right through into the kitchen, through the kitchen ceiling, but the boards are completely rotten. So I've spent the last couple of hours up there stripping things away and looking at the damage and desperately trying to read how do you fix this and what can you is it something you can do i can't afford to to get a man in i have got a, a load of wood now i've bought myself a circular saw as well and i've looked at what i'm doing and that's my project for tomorrow but i'm pretty tired so i did have quite a good excuse to say look i'm not going to do podcast tonight but here we are my wife has said get it done i'm waffling on Without further ado, none of that was scripted. I'm going to go straight into the episode now. It's called In Defence of Camping. So in the Northern Hemisphere, we've just come out of the back of the summer. And I'd accrued quite a lot of holiday at work. I hadn't taken much holiday all year. But as ever, we didn't have much cash and I've got quite a big family. So holidays cost a lot of money. But we wanted to, to get away, we wanted to do something, we wanted a bit of a change of pace. So I booked some time off work and we ended up booking two separate five-day camping holidays, fairly locally. So one in Dorset and one in the New Forest. And I spent, I think, the, the few weeks before I went away on these holidays at work when I'm having meetings and chatting to people and people are comparing what they're doing for the summer. And I tell people, oh, we're going camping, we're... And from almost everyone I got pretty negative reactions you know people look at me and they say oh what camping like in a tent or you know people shudder and say oh no oh not for me and oh what if it rains really negative feelings towards camping as a holiday and a bit of despair that I'm considering that a treat those people are completely wrong 
They could not be more wrong. Camping is, and, and I say this clear, camping is the best holiday that anyone can have the best for your soul the best for your energy the best for your relaxation the best for you getting away from everyday life and coming back feeling good and feeling refreshed and feeling able to cope with the rest of your life camping is the number one holiday and in this episode I'm going to tell you exactly for why this episode is called in defense of camping so this all started seven or eight years ago so I had a young family a couple of small kids we were I was at the beginning of my career we were really struggling financially things were very very tight and my dad he's also got a family he's got a second family that 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 he started once I was an adult so his children my brother and sister are are a little bit older but similar ages to my children And I think he looked at us at that time and he realised that I was working hard and we were exhausted and we couldn't afford to think about a holiday or getting away. And he wanted to to give us a holiday. He wanted to give us a break. He wanted to help, but he wasn't in a position to help financially either. He certainly couldn't afford to take all of us away on a tropical beach holiday or something like that. So he got his thinking cap on and thought, you know, how can I help Cornelius and, and the family? What can I do for them? And what he did have was a couple of tents in the garage. So he had a look and he found a campsite in Dorset that was pretty pretty sparse. It was effectively a field with a tap in it and some compost toilets. He had these tents already and he said, look, I got these tents. I can book this field. Why don't we all go? Bring your sister as well. So I've got a little sister who had a, a young lad as well. So she came and he said, look, we'll go. We'll have a week. It'll be a bit of fun, won't it? We can have a barbecue. We can sit out and we, we'll call it a holiday. Now that first camp was absolutely glorious. The weather was perfect. It was bright, clear, sunny days, blue skies every day, really warm, not too hot, but dry and still air. And we spent a lovely week with the kids playing together, running around outside and we were sitting in the sun and I got a suntan and I read a book and we relaxed and unwind and I chatted with my dad and my sister and we spent time and that really was the start of something very very special for us and something really important for my family we call we we, we name our camps and and spoiler warning I'm going to talk to you about we go camping every year since then we've been with the exception of one year we've been camping every single year with the same core group but that camp and we we name the camps because we sit one of the things we do when we go away is that we sit around the campfire and we talk we reminisce we talk about previous camps and, and they've all got little names and things that help us remember which ones they were and which order they came in that camp is called we're all gonna die and it's called we're all gonna die because my eldest boy he's autistic highly functioning autistic he's also got hypermobility which means his his joints are are pretty rubbery and he's a little bit wobbly and he he loses his balance easy he's a really really funny character brilliant guy i'm gonna again he's another person i'll do a whole episode but the campsite we were staying in in dorset was very close to a chalk horse so if you ever traveled around the southwest of england you see that these these ancient chalk drawings in the side of cliffs and hilltops are are fairly popular and this camp was not too far from one of them we realized that we could walk from the camp and and we set a challenge to go and climb up and touch this horse it was a pretty hairy climb it got pretty steep you weren't meant to go up there and we're driving through some woods and 
I think my boy just just got to the end of this tether at one point, completely shut down, and he stood and he shouted at the top of his voice, We're all gonna die! <laughs> Which I rescued him, poor boy, and we carried him down. We all had a good laugh after. He's, he's a good good sport as well, but that's the We're All Gonna Die camp, and that was the very first camp. So we got to a year later and my dad contacted me again and said, do you want to go camping? And I said, yeah, yeah, I think we should. And lots had changed in my life. So if you listen to previous episodes, you know that I went through a divorce and the circumstance around that. So the following year from this camp was the year that I was single. So it had been about six months, I think, by the summer since my <laughs> the bottom had fallen out of my world. Um and that was the camp I went on. I just took me and my two boys and then my dad and his family, my sister. And, and we had various visitors come. So my uncle and auntie came and visited and my other sister came. And again, we had perfect weather. We went to a different campsite, close by, but slightly different. Absolutely perfect weather. It was a brilliant week for me to spend the time with my children, to be around my family, to be talking with people and spending time and feeling like a human again. That was a really, really good camp. That camp is called Jabba's Gone Missing. I'm not even going to tell the story because it's too painful, but I, I lost my youngest son. He, We were down at the beach. There was a beach on the campsite and I said, start walking up, start walking back up to the camp and I'll catch you up while I was deflating the lilo or whatever it was um turned around couldn't find him big panic i don't even want to talk about it it was really really horrible we found him safe and sound he'd wandered off in the wrong direction and eventually found his way back to the camp after we'd raised the alarm and all panicked but that's the memory from that camp now the third camp is where things get interesting because at this point various people had seen what wonderful camps we'd had two camps with perfect sunshiny weather where we were relaxing having great fun and my other sister decided she wanted to come so her and her family her husband and her children came my auntie and uncle came as well they said oh we'll bring a tent we'll come along I upgraded at this point this third one was the first my, my current wife this was the first camp she came on so I had met her by that point and we were together and she came on the camp and it was really nice and we we bought a tent we'd got a bit better camping by that point so my dad had bought an event shelter uh, like a big awning so we had somewhere to sit underneath and we'd upgraded our cooking equipment and got ourselves a bit more comfortable than that first camp where we didn't have much and I'm really glad we did because that camp is labelled the desolation. After two years of perfect sunshine and glorious weather, it had to come to an end, and it just happened to have been several people's first camp where the most intense, crazy storm blew in and battered the campsite. And I've got some incredible photos. I think I'll share them on the, the Twitter this week or next week when I get on there. Because after this night of the storm, the campsite looked like a disaster stone. There were so many tents had caved in. There was twisted metal poles everywhere. There were awnings flying all over the place. We, we managed to survive. And one of the... But one of the most wonderful things happened. So we'd had a couple of rain on the camp and it had been pretty brutal. And everyone was just saying, what do we do? You know, it's the, the last night. We're going home tomorrow. So my family all decided they wanted to go to a restaurant. They said, well, let's go and find a restaurant. We can go in somewhere warm and dry and we can have some good dinner. And for whatever reason, me and my uh, immediate family, so my wife and kids, we said, oh, look, we don't. I was like, I don't really want to 
travel i don't uh, you know i don't want to go and sit in a restaurant we're gonna do you, you go your own way so all my family went off to a restaurant and i went and picked up a takeaway curry it was horrible weather and i had to trudge through the rain the wind and rain and things like that but i got it back brought it in and we we had a ta- little table and a light that was swinging and the sides of the tent were bowing in and the wind was lashing but we were really cozy inside and all of us tucked into this big curry absolutely delicious really really fond memory that was of our little family cooped in this little tent where the elements couldn't get us and we were quite safe even better when the rest of my family returned and <laughs> I remember actually my sister's tent had flooded they realized when they came back she came in with us that night in our curry stinking tent we <laughs> she had to seek shelter with us but what it turned out was that they walked to the nearest pub to have a meal and obviously everyone for a very long radius around there were a lot of campsites in the area had done the same they couldn't get in it was completely booked out and they walked around in the wind and rain for a few hours before finally giving up getting some fish and chips and eating it in a bus stop and they'd all come back miserable and cold and we were smug and warm so that was the desolation the next camp was also quite a bad weather camp not anything like the desolation but it's quite a rainy one bit windy a bit stormy but that camp is called brain hemorrhage and it was it was quite a scary one so my dad the guy that had started this tradition you know now we were fourth year in a row and and all of my family came at this point and and we were really looking forward to it It it's a lovely family tradition he was not feeling well he wasn't himself and when we arrived and we were putting up the tents he he kind of was sitting out not getting involved and my sister's a doctor interestingly but she you know we started talking to him and and he said look i've got double vision I'm like cross-eyed and I can't get my eyes to straighten out and he was walking around with one hand over one eye and he was like oh, I'm sort of all right you know I've got a horrible headache but I'm sort of all right if I could hold one hand over one eye and he was trying to put a brave face on it but you know it's really scary that's my dad that's the guy who I would rely on for everything that's the guy that helps me put my tent up or the guy that I'm going to ring tomorrow and to say look my roof is caved in dad how do i how do i fix this what do i do how do i put it back together and he was really struggling and my sister was quite concerned and i think he'd spoken to a doctor and they'd said oh you know see how he is sounds like a migraine or something but my sister pushed and said she she wasn't very happy and ended up taking him driving him off the camp to go to the hospital and visit he had some kind of swollen blood vessel in his brain i forget the exact terms but it was pressing on a nerve on the back of his eye and it was a, a fairly worrying brain injury he had and that was quite a scary camp because he went and then they said well it actually needs to stay in hospital tonight he got to the bottom of it he made a full recovery he's absolutely fine now but the tapestry of these camps going i know i'm going to be selling camps camping to you is a great holiday and probably the last two not doing well but bear with me please bear with me yeah that was the the brain hemorrhage one we laugh about it now you know we sit around and we, we label it that way but yeah scary um scary camp that one the next camp was a great one i'm going to tell you one story from that the next camp we call horse bite so we stayed on a campsite where they had horses in a field that you had to walk through this field and close the gate behind you to get to the, the toilets or the showers and what would happen was that people would leave the gates open and the horses would get out the horses and ponies would get out and walk around the campsite and then every now and again 
the the guys that ran the camp would would come on quad bikes and round the horses up and get them back in the field where they should be. One of the times the horses escaped and they 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 seemed fairly placid, but they walked over to our camp and all the children started crowding round and looking at these horses, and this horse did something that I've never uh, never known a horse to do. It seemed totally bizarre to me, but it dived forward, and my brother who was nine or ten. 11 maybe at the time it bit him square on the chest like a big horse bite on his chest for totally unprovoked for no reason <laughs> it, was, it was horrible really hurting poor kid big bruise really nasty but yeah that's the horse bite camp and we were really worried about the horses but this was also a place where they you could rent no you, you could pay you know, pay five quid i think for a bale of straw to use as a chair and we bought a load of bale of straws to set around the campfire and to sit on it was really nice and we started to get really worried when the horses came we we would kind of put these bales as barricades to keep them away after we realized they bit until someone pointed out that we're, we're building our horse defenses out of horse food there's a few more recent camps that bring us to the the current day and then we had another camp this year and also i booked another trip with the kids where the story at the the top of this came from so the camping we do with my dad and my sisters and my auntie and the rest of my family is fairly close to wild camping not quite but we you know there's no electricity hook up there the toilets are compost toilets you have a shower that you have to walk to but it's fairly basic what i also do and we did this year was just just take me and and my boys and my wife and stay in a campsite that has an entertainment complex and you have electric hook up at your tent and various things just make it a little bit a few more of the cute creature comforts you can take a kettle and things like that but I'm going to talk mainly about the family camp we do, this world camping we do. And it all starts when we arrive and, and you know, we're texting each other in the morning. What's your ETA? When are you getting there? Oh, we'll get there. Oh, we'll find a spot. And because we camp in fields that don't have allocated spaces, there's really a moment where we sort of build our community. And it's really nice. And we stand around and we say, well, look, if we put our tent here and we can put the event shelter here and we put a windbreak here, this can be the kitchen. And we're building our little um community building our little space and planning it out and there's a, a real sort of shared task and a real shared interest in in building that and that is just good for your soul and it, it's interesting as well and it starts the holiday off in good terms because while we say doing all this you know hi how are you doing catching up we're all kind of working and digging in as well and and, and getting the holiday ready so you do finally you do get the camp set up and one of the things I quite like about it is never quite set up you know for if you like me you like to fiddle or you're an achiever and you like to get things done or you can't sit still there's always something that needs doing you can always put a few more pegs in or set some lights out or, or, or fiddle about with your tent in some way but you get to the point where the tents are pretty much done and you can sit down for the first time with job well done well earned rest sit down the kids will run off this is the great bit we've got a big horde of kids here various ages from 15 down to two at the moment plus a dog or two they all run off they run across the field you're in a safe environment there's so many of them there's so many kids there's no cars and they they make their own fun they explore they look around they the, the the campsite we stayed in this year had a tree that had fallen down and was lying on its side and that became the focus of the the, the social life of the kids oh can we go to the fallen down tree and it was only across the field but they would 
the kids would go off and spend hours over there playing and imagining and using their brains no screens no props no nothing just children playing and getting along and <laughs> more crucially leaving us alone leaving us in peace you know maybe one adult might go over and watch them at a time but you don't need more than that um, they always find something, whether it's a hay bale or a rope swing or a fallen down tree uh, or a little bivy in the woods or something. The kids will always find a, a central point, something that's interesting. And even my two year old would was getting involved. Oh, can I can I go to the fallen down tree? Can I go to the tree? We're pretty well equipped. We, we've done this so many years now that we, we've invested money and we've invested time and we've had so many different experiences of weather and facilities and things like that that we we, we kind of can anticipate so we come very very well equipped with event shelters so that you can sit outside uh, together in all weathers bedding that's a key one we take the duvets and the pillows and things off our bed we don't try and sleep in sleeping bags but really comfy bedding various types of air mattresses we just use basic air mattresses but my sister has some fancy self-inflating ones and some of the little comforts so some little solar fairy lights and a fire pit so you can have a fire in the evening and a, a bottle of whiskey that someone could pull out of a bag when we're sitting around so all in all it's pretty comfy we do it pretty well we know what to expect and it's a big social event now there's so many different types of holidays and i've 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 had quite a few different holidays you know typically i think that the reaction i was getting when people and i was saying i'm camping was people who would say no you want you know if you're going to take a week off work you want to be sitting by a pool in a all-inclusive resort you want to be eating and drinking and you know maybe listening to some live music in the evening sitting up having a drink and then sleeping it off all through the day jumping in the pool now and again but my challenge to that is that's what you think you want and it sounds nice but that level of idleness that just lying back and doing absolutely nothing it's not healthy it's not healthy for your body it's not healthy for your mind and it's not healthy for your spirit so on that type of holiday where you think oh i really really need a break you know i'm stressed i work hard i need a break well what you're doing is you're overeating you're probably drinking too much you're you're ruining your sleep pattern all of these things that are healing and healthy and 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 help strengthen your body you're making them worse you're actually you're building up a higher level of stress and making it harder for your your body physically to keep you well and healthy it's kind of the last thing you need especially if you're run down from work especially if you're worried the last thing you need is a week of just idle lying around doing nothing compare that to camping so every single day of camp of both of the camping trips i did over twenty thousand steps or my watch told me i did over twenty thousand steps my my wife tells me my watch records too many and her record records too few but it's not hard to see how you do it when every time you need a wee it's about 200 steps just to get to the toilet and back now you don't necessarily appreciate that at the time i know that doesn't sound like luxury but that's what we're designed to do that's what we evolved to do that's what your body wants to do your body loves it doing this amount of walking about it's a brilliant brilliant rest from an office job or if you do a lot of driving or anything like that this walking is really really good for your spirit it's good for your body it's good for your soul and then the really key bit is community 
the fact we, we do it with my whole family and that is whatever else is going on in our lives, whatever else the year has thrown at us, um, whether we're in the middle of a, a global pandemic or whatever it has, we've got this one week together to focus on that we know is coming with no distractions there's no running around getting planes or thinking oh we need to be sightseeing we're we're camping we're doing this shared piece of community we're building our little place to live and then we're we're living together we're spending time with loved ones we're we're having group conversations you're sitting in ones and twos and talking and spending way more time just in conversation and talking no one's sitting watching a screen or watching tv or having to have a a singer up on stage to entertain them the entertainment is each other and spending time with each other and actually that that's where this podcast came from one of the many places it came from last year before i started this podcast i took a dictaphone camping and i recorded just set it recording when we were sitting around the fire in the evening having a chat and recorded those conversations and those funny stories and it that's what really triggered me because I thought oh these stories I'm telling maybe other people would like to hear them maybe it's not just my family you, you live really naturally as well in terms of your your sleep cycle so you're up with the sun the sun comes up it wakes the kids up everyone's up so it's pretty early every morning and you go to bed fairly soon after it gets dark we've got lights and torches and things like that but you know a couple of hours sitting looking into, into a, a fire uh, you're generally ready for bed fairly early but again you know not luxury maybe not what you're thinking about for a holiday going to bed at half nine every night and getting up at six but good for you good for your body clock and you sleep brilliantly if you've done 20,000 steps and you're inside a cozy little tent with all your bedding that you've put in there and you're warm and you've got tons and tons of fresh air and that great warm feeling of having your family around you feel safe and it's peacefully quiet you sleep wonderfully really deep lovely sleep and all of this really it it, it really matches how human beings evolved how we're meant to be living away from our modern life where we're all isolated and looking at screens and in houses detached from nature and detached from our community and our neighbors you're designed to to spend time with your loved ones spend time in groups outside to exercise to have a shared purpose a sense of community to be working on on little things cooking meals it's not just one person cooking meals it should be a shared experience where everyone is cooking at the same time and lending a hand and and, and doing things as part of a bigger group and, and not just your nuclear family the four people in your house but your extended family and your parents and your sisters and your siblings it's it's really a lovely warm soul affirming thing and, and and i hope i hope this doesn't end i hope this goes on you know the kids are getting a bit older now my eldest is 13 he's going to be a bit cool maybe he's going to get too cool to want to come camping i i'm dreading that happening because right now we're in the middle of something really really good and the other thing is you compromise when you have that many people everyone wants to do something slightly different but that compromise leads you to do things perhaps you didn't imagine you think all right i'll give it you know everyone wants to go and swim in the river i wanted to 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 go for a walk in the woods but i'll give it a go and you enjoy it you throw yourself in with the right attitude and you try some different things and and you do things that you didn't expect to and these are really key things you do not think about work 
when you're struggling to survive, when when even a basic, you know, making a cup of tea is a bit of an effort and you have to juggle with water and look for things and cooking on a stove, you don't think about work. You think about what you're doing, you think about where you are, your circumstance, you sit back and you look at the birds and look at the trees. There's no screens and, and the boredom, the kids do get, the boredom sets in because the kids are used to constant stimulation and watching TV or playing on their phones and once you ban all that and say no, none of that, it it fosters creativity. The kids get really creative and they start playing interesting games and they'll we, we had a tug of spontaneous tug of war because someone found a rope and we ended up doing a big tug of war so that boredom fosters creativeness and creativity and playing in a different way not just the children the adults as well eat healthy food we eat pretty healthy we were there we're having barbecues certainly not you know buffet food and, and tons of alcohol but but fairly healthy food that makes you feel alive and it's really, really good for you to spend the amount of time outdoors that you do. You're spending most of your day outside in nature or in the woods or under the sky. I had a whole bit. I've done a load of research in this. I've found some interesting studies. I'm looking, I think we're up to about 45 minutes on this episode already. I'm out of practice. I forgot how long it takes to, to get through some points. And there's quite a lot I want to say. So do the research yourself maybe i'll share some links but google it the health effects or or mental health effects of of being outdoors it's really really good for you to be outdoors has a a profound positive effect on your mental health on your stress levels and on your resilience the kids go absolutely feral over that sort of five days you see them transform from um screen addicted uh, grumpy teenagers to feral kids with leaves in their hair and bare dirty feet running around with sticks and imagination games and and playing and digging things up and the other thing that happens you stop looking in the mirror we don't have a mirror so you stop caring how you look you quite frankly you look ridiculous you're wearing welly boots and shorts and um a dirty teenage uh, a dirty t-shirt and probably a scarf around your head or something like that but you forget how you look and then you stop caring how other people look and so when those those so your barriers really drop and and my family is it my, my family how close am i to my family we were quite a nice family when we were camping but we wouldn't have that level of intimacy normally it's not normal you know my immediate family yeah i see everyone in their pajamas i see them when they wake up and go to bed but not my extended family but for this one week we've all got this shared purpose you forget what you look like you don't care what anyone else looks like and it's and 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 you live really really naturally and unconsciously that's not the word is it it's i guess you're not self-conscious and and when those barriers drop so when the barriers of making sure that you know you're you're clean (laughs) or you're wearing clean clothes drop so do lots of other things i think that physical barrier when that drops suddenly you have more intimate conversations you make a more genuine connection and you stop talking about what we do and you start talking about what we are and i don't think i'd have those conversations with my family otherwise the stuff we have at camping where we can talk really intimately and openly and share things is comes from that shared bit of community from living together from surviving together from being really really close-knit 
and you have shared hilarity you have things that make everyone laugh the, the, these these campsites have long drop toilets so essentially they dig a pit and put a toilet over the top of it or, or a wooden box with a hole in it and the idea is that you use it and you're meant to chuck some wood shavings and at the end of the summer they they just fill the fill the hole in with soil and let it rot down and and, and it goes away but but it means that if you go to the toilet in the morning and you see a really comedy large poo which has happened before a huge poo you can't imagine was made by a human probably a few other people on the camp have seen it as well so when you happen to mention it at breakfast two or three other people say oh yeah i saw that we do a thing called night hunts my my middle child absolutely loves it and it started a few years ago where me and my sister would take some of the kids once it got dark and we kind of creep around the camp not not really creepily but we we walk fairly close to other people's camps but we have to be very quiet so no one spots you and you make it exciting for the kids and the whole idea is that we go on the night hunt and we have to sneak back to our camp eventually and surprise everyone it gets really really exciting and the kids get really hyped up on it other things just give it it's good for the kids you give them tasks can you fetch water can you babysit can you wash up can you collect wood just these small tasks that you're doing that help turn your kids into healthy adults that know about achieving things and know about mucking in and uh, and doing things and being part of this working group which we don't do enough of when we're at home if i'm honest and then you've got some really just special moments that surprise you and, and some of them are planned so my dad's got a little ukulele um and my auntie has got is, is pitch perfect she's really really good with music so my dad brings his ukulele with some song sheets that have the chords on it and then the words for various songs that you know and at some point in the holiday you get your ukulele out and start playing we all moan and we all roast him for it and say oh no god the ukulele but it it's addictive we all get involved when the ukulele comes out we have a group sing song it's great moment but you also have unplanned moments so this year a lot of people brought solar led fairy lights which i think they've become more and more easy to get hold of the technology's got cheaper there was a beautiful moment on the first night where these these things are triggered that when the light gets low enough on the solar panel then it turns on the the lights and there was a moment where across the camp on, on three or four of our tents in various places everyone's solar lights came on pretty much at the same time and um it was really nice to be sitting in the dusk as the the sun went down it was getting darker and darker and then these little cozy lights and you saw what people had been setting up all day and we went around and admired each other's lights really really nice um looking at the stars when do you look at the stars well when you're camping you sit outside when it gets dark you look at the stars it's always bats flying around beautiful sunsets and even the rain is exciting this year we had a little bit of rain one of the tents on someone else's camp next to us they'd gone out for the day and their tent collapsed like the weight of rain collapsed it in the middle so we all mucked in we we started pegging out their tent and it was one of these inflatable ones so we were pumping it up and we were putting their pegs in it was and that was just fun and exciting and a shared task and something you know we were out in the rain laughing so even the rain and the negative you can find the positive in it when you're in the right mood it's not all good bits of it are frustrating you know like i said earlier you want to make a cup of tea that's not a simple process you have to hunt around for tea bags you know there's oh there's no water you have to walk to the tap to fill the bottle to fill the kettle and then you're doing the kettle on a little stove gas stove that takes ages to boil and you have 
dig around to try and find a cup and the, the milk is in the cool box underneath everything you have to get it out eventually just when you've made your nice cup of tea that's when one of your kids will come up and say oh dad can I have a cup of tea which of course he didn't offer because they don't normally drink tea but you say you'd do it and then you realise oh you haven't got enough water to make so you have to boil the water again and dig around to find another cup it's not a little task like at home where you just fill another cup it becomes a really big task and then you realise oh he wants sugar doesn't he and he's hunting you don't even have sugar you know you hunt around for 10 minutes to realise he didn't bring sugar so then you're asking around the other camps and of course by the time you give him the cup of tea he doesn't drink it he just leaves it there but this extra difficulty this this frustration and and increased challenge of, of doing basic things it becomes your focus and it's what you think about and it's what you do it stops you thinking about your boss it stops you thinking about the mortgage and then the very best part this is i've made my case for camping i hope it sounds quite romantic because really I, I you know i returned from work feeling really thoroughly refreshed and i've cleared out my brain and I'm, I'm ready to work again which i wouldn't on a holiday where i was staying up late and drinking and then having to do a long flight at the end of it but the absolute best part is after a week of sleeping in a tent and making your dinner over a little gas stove you're really grateful when you return home you don't have this doom and gloom of leaving this tropical paradise back to your shitty life you're grateful for everything you have like just coming in and having a brick wall you can turn a light on you know a kettle a dry bed a hot shower all of these things you're, you're really really grateful for and you, you you finish the holiday feeling good to get back to your normal life and, and and glad to be back to your normal life which is something i don't think you can say of many holidays at all so for me it's a really treasured tradition i'm so glad that it started i'm really grateful for that year we have i hope it lasts for many many more years like i said the kids are getting older i don't know what the future holds and i had that moment looking around on this camp thinking mm, are they going to start wanting to do something different or drop out i don't know but in defense of camping so anyone that i spoke to that i said we're going camping and they said oh really that doesn't sound nice they're completely wrong I could not have had a better summer holiday than spending time with my family, spending time with my children, spending time with nature. I came back, I'd, I'd lost a couple of pounds on this holiday. I came back a little bit fitter, certainly more mentally healthy. I had a great break, a great rest and ready to go back to normal life and grateful that I get to sleep in a proper bed with my wife every night. And that is in defence of camping. Thank you for listening. This has been Uncredible Adventures. If you're not already, please find me on Twitter at UncrediblePod. It'd be great to know you're there. If you haven't subscribed, please hit the subscribe button. It makes a huge difference to our, our ranking and things like that. And the higher we can rank, the more people find the podcast. But thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that first episode. I'm a little bit rusty. I've got what I did. One thing I did do, actually, I didn't mention this. What I did do, so I didn't invest in a more funky jingle or anything like that. But what I did do is write down the thoughts and funny things and stuff that happened. I've got a load of episodes, not necessarily planned out, but a load of ideas that I know I can turn into interesting episodes that I'm really looking forward to bringing you in this series two of Uncredible Adventures. I am Cornelius. You've been incredible. Thank you.